Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 110 of the Galen Trombley Show, and we have a returning guest, one of our all-time favorite guests of the show. Actually, to be honest, I had a lot of compliments from your episode, and I don't know, I, don't, I forgot what we, ta- we talked about, but everybody seemed to love you, so uh, we got him back, the one and only Michael Cashman. Well, thanks for having me back, Galen. I, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, I believe that uh, you've probably gotten a lot more listeners after when I was on, so that one person that was giving you compliments that probably listened to this show, <laughs> it seemed like a lot at the time. It's all word of mouth, you know. And I think when we br- we bring a we bring a guy like you on, and you know, you just bring the fire, people want to listen. So, oh yeah, yeah. So um, is that a stab at me being a ginger? Like bring the fire? Is that is that how you that you said it, not me? So I, I that was not that was not a shot at the the red hair. I got I got a little red in my you beard. Do, you do get a little red. I got a little red. So when I when I uh, the beard grows out, it goes from kind of like I'm, I'm a weird. I'm a weird individual because I got blonde hair. My beard is brown, and as it grows, it gets more red. So mm-hmm. I do get that. Uh, the uh, we're both coming up from the same area, yep. you know. I b- years and years ago, our ancestors. So um, I burn easy, have reddish, a little red in my uh, my tint. Um, but that's it. I mean, I'm not a true redhead. But did you ever do an ancestry? Have you ever done that? Uh I believe we got you, you like the answer ancestry kit type things, yes. you swab and stuff. I think we got one a couple of years ago, and we just never did it, to be quite frank. Um, you know, but our family over the years has has done, I think, a really good job in like going back, you know, a number of generations that have a sense of where we are. Uh, sadly, uh, one of my grandmothers had what. Um, you know, the family Bible used to be the place where everybody used to write down like births and deaths and, and stuff like that. And um, there was, I think it was a flood or, or, or something, but a number of them got ruined. Um, so we lost a little bit of that. But outside of that, we're, we, we have a sense of where we go back in Ireland is definitely the motherland. So what we, we did it and it's crazy that at least I think how accurate it is because obviously everybody does it independently. Yeah. So when it pops up, my parents had did it. Um, and what happened is there, whatever the, whatever the system is that they use to track your, was it uh, genes or genome or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, there's like a little kind of, uh, I want to say like, you know, when you, electricity is like a Watts, it's like that. It's like a unit of measure for mm-hmm. genes and whatever it was, the numbers that they show, they say this person can only be your mother, father, or a child because mm. it's so close. And yeah. it was my two parents. And because they suggest stuff, so then my aunt and uncle were on there, my like first cousins are on there. But it's funny because based on the similarities, they say this has to be one of these people. So it's very it's very freaky how close they can get. I, I've heard some crazy stories and read some articles about people that are you know on the opposite side of the coast, for example, that have gone on and done these. And um, you know, there's ancestry dot uh, com, and then there's another one twenty three twenty three and me or yep. something like that. And uh, I think that one in particular though. Um, 
like goes through and makes like what they call like the the web connection like you can you can like basically click something in their internal dashboard and then it will show you uh family members that they believe that are could be connected and there's been tons of articles and stuff that people say you know oh yeah i connected with a you know a third or fourth you know uh generation cousin type of thing which i think is kind of neat though i i have a friend that did it um they they did it they were adopted <clears throat> mm-hmm. and they took the the the, uh, the test oh, wow. and they found they believe they found out who their parents were because they don't know their parents, yeah, their original yeah. parents. And That's pretty powerful. They, uh, yes, and they had, they had reached out to the person, never heard back from them. Um, but it, it, by hearing the story of what they were telling me, mm-hmm. they kind of had a theory as to when they were born and you know, why they probably, the guy probably didn't know yeah. there was a son. And uh, it was just, it was crazy though that, that you can go, because again, it shows a number and say, this has to be your kid or a parent. Mm-hmm. So if you see that and it's like, well, it's not one of my kids, then obviously, you know, kind of, kind of easy, easy to track there. But um, I mean, it goes pretty, like for me, everything was North. So it's like um, French Canadian yeah, and everything went straight back to Ireland. So everything from Ireland, like literally went down to almost exactly where my grandfather grew up. Oh wow! And so it's it, like meaning probably within like twenty miles each direction of like this is right where you were kind of from. So it's pretty cool. I mean, if if uh, if you're a history nerd, I think it's a good place to go and check. Yeah. I mean, again, you might you you probably have some more journals going back, but do you journal at all? You know, I've gone through phases of journaling. Um, in my younger years, I journaled a lot, um, and and I would just do more of that kind of very free association, you know, didn't, didn't like, re- I, you know, I wasn't putting uh, words down and, and editing it, just kind of letting it flow and, uh, and stuff. And, uh, I've gone through spits and spurts of it. I have not done it in a while. Um, you know, one of the things that I used to do that was kind of a, a release for me is photography. And I believe me, I, you know, it's kind of like my golf game. Uh, I don't really consider myself a golfer. I consider someone that likes to spend a lot of time walking in the woods. Um, but my photography, I love landscape photography. Um, you know, I think people that are, uh, really good at doing portraits are amazing, but to me, I'm really fascinated with the way lighting reflects, off of you know um, the simplest thing in the landscape, it could be it could be one tree that kind of you know. Have you ever seen how the clouds open up and it's like that one ray just kind of comes down, mm-hmm. it hits a leaf, it hits a tree, it hits you know the mountain in particular. So I've always enjoyed that, and I also like black and white. When I was an undergraduate, I did a um, a photography class. This is before digital, and I really really enjoyed going in. Uh, late, late at night when it was quiet, um, you know, it, it, meaning just no one was around, but blasting music and just spending time and like developing film. Is this and, like a dark room? Yeah, in a dark room. And now that it's gone digital, I think it's it it misses a little bit of that magic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not to say that it takes away from what people do. I know a number of, of, of folks that use um, the digital medium and they do it so well. But I think it, to me, it's just. Personally, that feels different, um, and I think it was also the the anticipation of what the final product would look like, right? So you have to go out in the field, you have to find your subject, you have to take it, then you have to go through all of that process 
to develop it. And then until you really kind of do the last flash, right? You know, kind of dip it in and, and, and you let it, let it set and then turn the light on so it won't ruin it after it's set to see what your final product is. I think there was something really magical by the, behind that. I remember as a kid, you know, the uh, Polaroid photos. Uh-huh. When again, you, you take them, bring them, get them developed, and then you print them out and like you couldn't wait to actually see the photos. And to now live in a world where, again, young kids or my kids will never know that. And obviously it goes even further back when you talk about like the big cameras and like the, the you know, really developing the photos yeah. in the black room and that's some, or dark room. And that's something that I've never done. But, um, I mean, just my job, I take a lot of photos because if you do like, I mean, we do for like, uh, the office and stuff, but if you're going to houses, taking mm-hmm. photos, like I can make adjustments on the fly. And I just to think that we haven't always had that capability, which is crazy that it's just kind of like shoot it and hope, yeah. you know, shoot Year, right. Years and years ago when I was in high school, okay, I had a, a number of jobs, but one of my jobs was I worked in the photo lab of Kmart. Okay. And I remember that like our developing was this big thing. And we had, we had this machine set up in such a way that it would randomly select a photo out of someone's batch and it would blow it up to an eight by 10 or five by seven. And you would like give it, you would present it to them. It'd be like, Oh, this is kind of a, well, you can imagine that sometimes, uh, there were not the most, uh, appropriate photos. So that, you know, came hard to kind of make this adjustment on the fly on some things. But, um, what was, what was interesting though, is the number of people, because I, this was in Plymouth, Massachusetts and it, and it was a, a tourist spot. And I always got a chuckle that, Someone would be on vacation and they would come in and be like, oh, yeah, we want to get these photos developed. And I'm like, oh, OK. And come to find out that they weren't even from town, you know, from around town. They were literally on their vacation. And I'm thinking to myself, how critical is it that you just took a photo maybe like maybe a day or two before that you need to have your photos developed yeah. within an hour to have them today? I'm, but, I mean, I don't know. But, there was something imagine, strange about that. But you think about like today, if you take a photo and it's not like uploading on your, your camera within yeah. seconds, you're like, why is it, where's yeah. there a lag? Yeah. And, or, or you take, you know, 50 of the same photo, yeah. right? You know, slightly changing the angle or. I, yeah, I, it's crazy. I think 10 years ago, 20 years ago would have been real hell for the, the, the selfie people. Mm-hmm. You're taking 50 selfies trying to pick the best ones. Like you yeah. don't, you don't, that, that's going through a whole camera. Um, no, cam- cameras are fascinating. I'm trying to get a little more into them and trying to really understand the this. I say I want to. I call it the science, the specs of photos, like um, learning, you know, aperture and, and frames per second, and shutter speed, and stuff like that. To to really, um, right now, I'm kind of like nerding out with lighting to figure out like yeah. lighting and shadows, and um, it, it's totally different. I've done some stuff in this office, learning like to take the lights off, and then kind of knowing what the uh, the Kelvin is. It Kelvin where mm-hmm. it's uh how bright the lights are temperature of the light. Yeah, exactly. And that's totally new to me. So using this as like, cause we, this is a pretty bright room mm-hmm. in certain parts of the day, but as soon, like by the time we're done this, this whole thing will be dark. If I shut that off and turn on the lights, it is like very, you know, cinematic in here. Cause yeah. it's just like all of it's, uh, uh, what, not a, you know what I'm talking about? It's artificial lighting. Yeah. So are you using, uh, and there was a lot of debate out there, right? Are Canon or Nikon or what are you I got using? A Canon. Right okay. now I have a Canon, but like some of the people I've talked to are, um, Sony seems like it's becoming way more popular now. Um, some people are still diehard Nikons. Um, I, I don't know the draw with Canon. I think I bought the camera, I bought the Canon camera 
for what I needed it to do. Yeah. And then I'm just have kind of kept it. But now I've learned that there's considered full frame cameras and there's considered uh, crop frame cameras. I think it's crop frame. Um, I might've got that term wrong, but this camera is not considered a full size camera. So sometimes the lenses are just not, not distorted, but, um, what would be a normal, you know, millimeter camera lens is actually, it would actually expand it out a little bit further. Yeah. One of the things that I learned really early, um, I have a digital Nikon and, and I love it. Um, don't use it as, as often as I would like nowadays. But one of the things that I learned really quickly was the lenses for it seem to be three or four times more expensive than Canon though. I mean, it's, mm. it's crazy. And, um, so that's really limited kind of the tools and in, in the case that I have, as far as the number of lenses and stuff like that. Whereas I think you could probably get more lens, um, you know, per pound for, you know, what you have with, on, with a can- a, on a Canon. Yeah. The, the, there's so many options for lenses. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It's really overwhelming. And I, again, just trying to learn it without, and, and, for what I'm doing, I'm, I'm kind of one, let me get as good as I can with what I have and then I'll, I'll spice it up a little bit, but yeah. it becomes, you start getting that critical eye for stuff and that's, it's like anything else. If you have a hobby and you have a really critical eye, then you know, perfect example, we're getting the Christmas. I'm one of those people, I'd rather not tell you what I want for Christmas and just order it myself because I know there's a specific thing I want because I know if I let like my mom orders something. She'd be like, well, it's the same thing, right? And I'm like, no, it's not quite the same thing. Like I, I want a specific brand or style or setting or whatever. And yeah. I get very, cause I'm like, I know the thoughts there, but I just want the exact thing I want for whatever reason. And again, if you have more of a trained eye, like photography, um, it just, it just is, it's easier to see. And like, it might, like if somebody buys a handbag, I know like I'm, I'm picking on Nick here because she got this handbag. And I'm like, to me, I don't know why anybody would buy that. But then again, she's thinking, why would this guy spend all this time by picking out golf clubs? Yeah. And it's to each their own. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like when you have a hobby that you like and you have a critical eye on that hobby, it's amazing the rabbit hole you can go down. But how many little nuances that like you really need to fix that kind of like suit you? Um, I don't know. Just kind of a weird thing. But um Mike, how, how's life right now? Like you said, busy, but like, what's an, what's a day look like in 2020? Cause a year ago when I would have asked you this, it would have been totally different. Yeah. You know, like, like most people, right. I mean, uh, there is, it, it's hard not to, uh, touch upon the fact that we're living in a global pandemic and I don't mean pan just pandemic and stuff. I'm talking about a global pandemic, no matter what corner of the earth is, we are having a uh, probably one of the more shared experiences than we ever had. Um, you know, things feel different. Things are challenging. Um, you know, we're kind of where we are in the year. There's a lot of COVID fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. Just we kind of want a sense of normalcy. Um, you know, Thanksgiving, my wife and I just had a, a wonderful meal. But absence of the tradition of having, you know, lots of family around us. You know, we're steering uh, Christmas ahead of us um, and we are not going anywhere um as you know my 40th birthday is um you know around the corner too Mm -hmm. and i was planning on holding this big 80s themes bash and you know like just getting a whole bunch of friends and family together and like that had to be scrapped and you know we even talked about you know ireland is like you know we had talked about you know maybe going away and so i just there's a lot that's different but there's a lot of things that are the same too and what i mean by that is you know, I've been in, in, in Plattsburgh now for over 20 years. And the thing that I've always been inspired by the most is the people. 
And what I mean by that is there is this legacy of friends and family and neighbors helping out one another. And, you know, it, it carries through the story of when the Air Force Base closed to the ice storm to more recently when we had Sandy and Irene. And, you know, if there's a if there's a barn fire, if it, like you can talk about all these tragedies, but we're a very resilient group of people. And there's a very caring trait among people here too. Like the number of stories that I've heard of people helping out people because they've either lost their jobs or maybe, you know, um, there was just something going on that a friend or neighbor got sick. Um, that it just is, is very uplifting. So what do my days look right now? Um, you know, managing a portion of COVID as it relates to the work that I do as a town supervisor, but also trying to, you know, remain health, you know, healthy and safe for my family. Uh, unfortunately, a couple of my family have um, gone through the paces with COVID. My 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 father had it. My uh, my um, soon to be, um, you know, uh, you know, I I'd call my brother in law, you know, and you know other people in my family. So I also know a really dear friend of mine who lives here in Plattsburgh. Uh, Jacob Avery, who was in the Press Republican, he's in his thirties, and he was, he was one of he the first, was a early on yeah, person. and, and yeah. you know he's a marathon runner, and he talked about kind of like how it you know just gave him an uppercut, you know, just like really took him on, and it was you know hundreds of days later that he it took him to really start to feel a hundred percent normal. So this thing is serious, mm-hmm. and. Um, I know I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but that I think is 2020, right? It's like you're feeling like you're in a ping in a um, pinball machine, as you kind of ping one way, and then all of a sudden the flapper kind of hits you over there, and it's just like. <laughs> I I, th- I think the fact that today is December seventh yeah. blows my mind because I I, I kind of joke with people. I'm like, this has been the fastest slow year we've ever mm-hmm. had, and it just it seems like it's been over like 2020 feels like a blink of an eye even though the day-to-day just seems especially you know for two, what two and a half months roughly you know that march to like june time it was great in a lot of instances because i got to see my family a lot like i got to hang out with the kids yeah. and it was just kind of like calm things down and it was a kind of a weird like twilight zone for a couple months um and then coming back i actually had this thought today i was driving down um you know coming down route three down into kind of Cornelia. And I was looking around, I'm like, wow, what a weird world where everybody's kind of, we're out and about, we're driving, there's people working and going and doing their thing. But what a weird world that we've gotten to the point that it feels normal now that any place you go, you put a mask on. And it just, because again, if you told somebody like, oh, and, and not just like it's, it's mandated that you have to wear one, but it's the idea that we've all come to terms that that's just normalcy now. Yeah. And it's crazy how that has happened in seven months, eight months, mm-hmm. and or, well, close to nine months now. But it's, yeah, well, well, there's 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 two period there's two things that kind of stick with me, you know, about how this all developed, you know, many 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 months ago when this first was developing. Okay, we had snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. Our highway department was actually out. Plowing snow, and here we are, right, looking at another winter, you know, in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I serve as the the government liaison to the the COVID nineteen task force for the county, the Incident Command Structure Group, and I'm not looking for any pats on the back or anything. But what is interesting is every week, um, you know, we we go through and we look at um, the report, the reporting structure, and I think we're on week 
38 in that. I mean, that that to me, that little mile marker is like, wow, we've mm-hmm. been at this for a long time, you know? And, you know, yes, there's a vaccine on the horizon, but I still think it's going to be a pretty long ways before we get back to that more traditional sense of normalcy. What 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 is the time frame on the vaccine potentially? Is so the the vaccine. I, I, I'm probably going to get the the date, but New York State, I believe, is supposed to get the first batch of the vaccine around December fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's only say uh, somewhere in the mid hundred thousand you know level. And, you know, there's going to be various categories of essential personnel and individuals that they're going to go through. I mean, there are millions and millions and millions of doses of this that are going to have to get out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other part to it is most people don't realize is it's a two-step process. People are going to need to receive two shots of it. It's not one and done. And uh, I think most of them, and again, I, I don't want to speak as a subject expert, but approximately, I think, 21 days in between. So, you know, think of all that coordination. First, you're mm-hmm. get, you got to get out the, the vaccine to the critical groups. Then you got to track it. Then you got to get that those same people to come back. I mean, the, the vaccine needs to be kept in fairly, uh, you know, low-temperatured, uh, you know, uh, storage. I mean, there's there's a lot to this. And when you're in a higher density population like New York City, one might say it could be easier to distribute because, you know, more people in an area, you could probably deliver that vaccine to more people quickly. In a more rural community, right? People are going to have to travel to, you know, vaccine sites or, you know, where you're going to have to do mobile units and, and things like that. Um, and the part that I found really fascinating was um, uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada acknowledged that not only is the U.S.-Canadian border on a, a lockdown right now, but he told Canadians that it could be a little bit longer for them to get the vaccine because the vaccine's not being, you know, um, I don't want to say developed but um, made in Canada. So it's going to take a little bit longer for, you know, those materials. So it has so many impacts across the board, not only from a public health and safety standpoint, but it has a broader impact like things like the border. And what is that doing to uh, people's livelihoods, the economy, uh, travel? Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's amazing how COVID has really kind of seeped itself into so many things that we, I think, took for granted. How, what's the impact that you felt so far? I mean, you, but I mean, Plattsburgh's felt on the, uh, the border closing. So I can, I, I can kind of peel that back in a couple different ways. Um, we were really fortunate to see the writing on the wall back in probably about February. Um, at, at Town Hall... I immediately implemented um, basically a freeze on spending that was non-essential. 
Okay. If you, if you need a hammer though, we need a hammer, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get people, you know, have people thinking like, well, you know, you, you still purchase things. Yes. We, we purchased essential stuff, but we weren't doing conference travel. We weren't, you know, hiring new people. Um, and the town of Plattsburgh in particular, we derive the majority of the monies that we bring into the town for budgeting from sales tax, right? So with the Canadian border closing, it was like, oh no, like what's, what's that impact going to be? It's approximately, I think, $400 million that of Canadian uh, dollars that are spent in Clinton County here year after year. I mean, that that's, that's mm -hmm. significant. And, you know, you look at the marina, you look at restaurants, you look at uh, people that, you know, have second properties. Um, so the town was able to not spend in some ways that, that we had in the past, but we still had a responsibility and we continue to have a responsibility to maintain essential services. Like I said, plowing, right? Uh, we have, uh, we're a regional water supplier to the town of Plattsburgh and parts of Beekman town and Schuyler falls. Um, there was a period of time when the governor, uh, initiated, um, a requirement that we were down to 50% staffing. And we were still trying to figure out how do we, do the essential and also maintain Plattsburgh as a place that I see it as a great place to live, work, play, and invest. And the reason that that was so important is if we completely just shuttered government other than the bare minimum or the kind of the essential services, I think that would have put us in a, in a worse situation. I'm really proud to say that a number of, of our folks at the town, actually all the employees, but I want to give a shout out to two particular departments because they have basically monthly meetings. It's the Zoning Board of Appeals and our, and our Planning Board. They took on the challenge of maintaining a, a sense of normalcy so that we could continue to have development when development was ready to go full bore, okay? Right now, over a thousand square feet of new business is being developed right now in the town of Plattsburgh. It's huge mm -hmm. because that means that investment is occurring, businesses continuing to move forward. Um, you know, we've had a number of people continue to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, what are traffic counts look like? What, what does it look like to do site selection? Um, so we've tried to maintain a sense of normalcy when there was uncharted waters. And if you don't know this, government does not integrate with technology very well. I jokingly said one of, one of the first wins that I had as town supervisor is when we had two overhead projectors put in our main conference room. Woo! Like, that's that's not high tech in, you know, like 2016, right? That's like, you know, um, but, you know, we adjusted and, and like so many other businesses we're you know, we're using Zoom and we're using WebEx and we're, you know, doing all that other type of stuff. So, yeah, it's just, it's been crazy. It, the, the mind is boggled. Every time I think about it, I'm impressed at how we, among so many others, have kind of wrapped our arms around a very complex unscripted scenario yeah I, I think one of the one of the things i was impressed i, I think overall clinton county has done a like fantastic job across the board because you and i think everybody's trying their best but i really think again majority of people in clinton county 
a lot of people think the same for the most part. I mean, in the sense that I think we all have a lot of pride in the county. And I think a lot of people really kind of buckled down and said, hey, if it, you know, we have an issue, we have a problem, let's kind of pull together, let's help each other out. Yep. With, and again, whether that be, you know, health or, you know, helping people that maybe can't do stuff. Because I, I always felt like during COVID, I was more open to just like, checking on people yeah. one of my one of my main because you did a really good job i always saw you like you were posting stuff like just kind of like what you what did you call it like health check-ins or uh yeah uh, you know I, I i was calling them you know how yeah basically health checks in or, or mental health checks yeah. you know just how are, how are you doing mm-hmm. you know um well and, and i was trying to do i did that you you actually came on and we did that little like uh instagram live thing and i was trying to do that every day and I probably went about two weeks of like every day, just grab someone for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and just kind of talk. And some people would go on and you'd see, but it, I found that me being a pretty social creature, you know, I, that was one of the hardest things for me it was like, I just, even this year and I, I felt I did very, very well up until probably September of this year mm-hmm. and September, October, November. And I don't know if it was just, you know, getting colder out or, um, but it just felt, or spending more time inside just because of the weather. But I felt that. That's when 2020 just really had an impact on me where I felt like, you know, I, I'm a very upbeat, positive person, but I haven't seen people. Yep. I'm seeing people here and there, but it's very sporadic and it's not, you know, there's always like you can see people, but there's always caveats and there's, and you're not, you're not really doing the stuff you're not, when things were getting canceled that you normally would have. And it's like special yearly events. Like you look forward to it, it's canceled and it, it kind of just finally like, I don't want to say crash down to me, but it finally kind of went where it just felt like a burden and it felt like, you know, I've been trying so hard to like keep, you know, the spirits up that the, the spirits kind of crashed down for a couple months. Sure. I feel, I feel better now for sure. But it was like, there was, there was about a two month lull where I was like, man, I'm just like, I'm getting beat up by 2020 now. And, yeah. you know, and that's what I think is I'm one of, I'm someone that really tries to empathize with other people because you know, the, the adage of like everybody threw their problems in the center, you would quickly mm-hmm. grab yours out. Yep. I'm one of those people like I never I try I mean I'm human but I try not to complain about stuff because I always really look at my scenario like I got it I've always had it really good in life and this is one of those years where I think you start to realize like you know we just had Thanksgiving but like kind of really focus on what what is what are you really thankful for and a lot of it is like I said health family friends um you know just close friends that you can talk to um I've had a lot of conversations with friends over this year, just purely someone to talk to and just, you know, spew whatever I have out, listen to whatever you have to say. And, and I think a lot of that has gone further this year than we've probably seen in past years. And I felt that this year, when you talk about like the, the giving, I felt very more, you know, giving in the sense of not as much with time because it's limited as to like what you can actually go do. But a lot of it was more like support or time in the sense of talking or even financially of just like trying to support things or groups that maybe have been hit a little harder. Mm -hmm. When I look at it, like, you know what, overall I'm, I'm much better off than I know a lot of people. So let's try to help those that aren't. And I think that this year has showcased that a little bit and actually has, has changed my paradigm shift slightly um, and, or highlighted other things that I'm like, you know what, this is something I want to spend more time doing and maybe brought to light, um, you know, maybe the, the giving or the donating or, you know, certain services that people use and bring highlighting it more that I didn't know a lot about. Maybe I'm a little more up to speed now on it, or maybe because it's more prevalent, like, um, 
you know, j- just things that have popped out recently or this year that I've, I've looked at. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good cause to really try to help out or promote or support. Yeah. Uh, where I think had 2020 not been the way 2020 was, that could have taken me a few more years to realize. I think I think co- I think COVID nineteen has magnified the issues that we have in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it goes all over the place. It goes from the fact that you hear a lot of people talk about we need um, stronger broadband connectivity. Right? We have kids and teachers that are trying to facilitate. You know, the education uh, in, in terms of that some people don't have good connectivity mm-hmm. at their home and that they've gone to firehouses or, you know, parking lots somewhere to try to or, get or Wi-Fi. school buses, right? You know, or school bus. Yeah. You know, uh, Beekman Town Central School District um, uh, was sharing buses with the Peru School District. I mean, that, that that's what, you know, I find so amazing is that there's this, this care and compassion and cross-pollination to get things done. But the bigger part to it is that issue was there before COVID. It's magnified it. You know, we have hunger issues and we have homelessness issues and we have all these things that are that are going on. And I, and I guess what I would say to you and to your listeners is it's okay not to be okay too, though. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were periods during the last umpteen months that I had those days where I'm like, this really sucks. Like this, this is tough. This is, this is grating. This is emotional because not only are we carrying our own emotional baggage, but I think we have a tendency with what's going on right now is you see what's happening to other people. Like turn on the news tonight and there probably is a story of places around this nation where there are food lines, where there are hundreds of people that are going, that have never gone before, that are going seeking food baskets. Mm-hmm. Not because they need, you know, they want to throw a big, you know, holiday dinner. It's because that is the place that they're going to because they need food for that night with their family. And, you know, the North Country has a tradition of looking out for people, but don't don't get me wrong. I, I, we still have those issues here. Mm-hmm. We still have many more people that need homes, need good nourishment, um, and, and you know there there's a wide range of issues. COVID has only magnified it. I, I'm hoping that that is the silver lining in the cloud, is that we can acknowledge that there's a lot of work to do, and that there is a lot of opportunity for us to couple things together and lift up many people rather than just say, oh, we have to pick one cause or or one group of people because every human being has value. Everybody has value. And we should be finding a way that no one is left behind. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't agree with you more on that. I, I, uh, I think this year is going to be a, what's funny is that I'm 30. Um, you're still in your thirties. I'm you're, still you're in my thirties. Yeah. And, uh, but you, you look at, you look at all this for us to say, we've never experienced this. My 95 year old grandfather has never experienced this, you know, or maybe he had one with a span. Of, no, that was, that was, you had to be like a, well, 19, what? I think it was 1918. 18. Right? Yeah. So we're, we're a little bit past that. So I was going to say, I mean, maybe he has, but no. So, um, but I'm just like, this is the first and pretty much everybody's lifetime, except those like odd few people that you see on the news that are 103 years old that you know were childs at that time or children at that time but um it's just a what when was the last time you think the world was this connected to one issue 
I have a thought in my head. I don't know if it's, I want to hear what's the first thing that comes to mind for you where everybody in the world is affected by something that's happening in the world. I mean, there's, there's different ways to, to break that down. I would, I would dare say not, there hasn't been a time with this level of global connectivity, like meaning that it's, it's truly a shared experience. I think there's been some things where people have watched with interest, watched with, uh, you know, a sense of concern, you know, of how, uh, an event, uh, may become a catalyst for some other things. I'll let you go first. I'm going to lean in there. My guess was the Y2K. I don't know if that's right, but I just remember, I remember at the time that was, uh, I was, I was younger, but I remember that was something that like a lot of countries were experiencing how to deal with that. And I, again, obviously totally different. It wasn't life or death. Well, I guess it could have been in some situations because that was kind of the concern with computers and with the medical and stuff. And planes just falling out of the sky because their computers were going to go off the wires and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I just thought like I, I was younger, but I literally thought I'm like, if this clock strikes midnight does the world just blow up? And that's what I thought as a kid. No, it was like, you know, obviously it would have been like problems that would have kind of eventually, you know, reared their head. But, um, but that was the only time. Cause I'm, I'm looking like September 11th. Yes. But that didn't affect the world that affected us and some major people, but it wasn't, I don't think that affected like every single person. There's some people that are just like, Oh, that's kind of like when we see, you know, uh, you know, whether it be a terrorist attack in another nation, we're like oh, that, you know, that's terrible. And, you know, we think about it for a week and then business as usual and on to the next thing. So I have a feeling like that was probably similar on September 11th for a lot of countries. So I'm trying to think of like no matter where you go that this this has been obviously unprecedented. But I'm trying to think of another time in history, recent history, that we all would have been affected by something. And and that's why I I say no, because, you know, you could turn on the news pretty much anywhere on the globe, right? And I think you would see a similar type of experience and events unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we ha- both my wife and I have some friends that are are living abroad and we've we've stayed connected with them and and they've been sharing with us, you know, the lockdowns that they've gone through and you know what it looks like as, you know, their communities kind of go through the unpause uh process and you know, it just, it, it feels and sounds very similar. Um, and that's why I say, I think what has happened with COVID is it really has magnified these issues. And I I think that's where we have to like redouble our efforts to go back to the basics of lifting up our community and making sure that no one's left behind because, there are some folks that have been part of the community that have helped, you know, get us to where we are today and their business has been decimated. I mean, I, I really am concerned, you know, for, for, you know, restaurants are getting a lot of, um, attention and, and they should because they, in, they in particular are, you know, it's really hard to keep your restaurant open when it's at reduced capacity and only do takeout. Um, but there are a lot of local businesses and I know local is a big thing for you. Local mm-hmm. matters is, you know, um, we all should be redialing into our communities and that's shopping local, supporting local. You know, I've been saying for a long time, it's like if you've, if you've have been part of a club or organization or any type of group that does fundraising, 
I'm sure at one point or another, you went to a business and said, hey, do you, could you support this initiative with a gift certificate? And well, those same groups that were that you were asking and hitting them up for support, those are the same ones that you need to be redoubling your commitment to to make sure that they're okay right now. Should have been doing it before, but definitely now. What a, what What's the two questions? What is the net of businesses, meaning businesses closes, closing to businesses started in 2020 in, in kind of your area, uh, town of Plattsburgh, or if you know beyond. And then also, what is the net of spending locally with Canadians haven't come here, but also people haven't traveled as far out. Um, I haven't been farther than Lake Placid and E-Town since February, mm-hmm. to put in perspective. I have not gone south of yeah. E-Town. I haven't gone west of, well, Ellenburg, Lake Placid, Southwest, um, and and haven't been to Canada, haven't been to Vermont. So, I, I think we I I think we don't know what those numbers truly are yet, and okay. I don't think we're going to know them for some time. I think we have a, a sense. Uh, I think people here in the region have done a really good job uh, at at supporting local in many respects. Um, or you know, this summer maybe they were doing house projects, or maybe putting in a garden for the first. You know, like a lot of that. You know, kind of stay local. Um, I'm concerned more for the period of 2021 than I am in 2020. I'm concerned for the business that was like, okay, I got to see where I'm, where I am at the end of 2020 before I make a decision. Mm -hmm. I think January, February, March of next year is going to be the most volatile period as we look towards the future. Um, and because that traditionally is the toughest time for most businesses anyways, first quarter, first quarter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, how did they, how did they kind of wrap up 2020 and how are things kind of, you know, kind of moving forward? So I, I think that period is going to be really volatile and, um, you know, the second quarter I think is going to give a sense for where where we are overall and that's why i look even at the canadian border i don't see the canadian border and again there's people on both sides of the federal government the canadian border they're obviously no more than i but looking at the trends and and where we're going i don't see us opening up until probably june or july of next year i was the same i think i think it's be midsummer yeah um okay question question i have for you because this is obviously going to be a new at least four years um Mayor, I guess mayor elect um, Chris Rosenquist just just got reelected, and um, I, I've seen recently, obviously through social media and just you know publications and stuff that I know you guys have you guys spoke prior um, to elections. And, I mean, and Scott too. I mean, I know you had met with them, and then I know since you've done some stuff with Chris, or at least had open communications with Chris. Like, um, I mean, going forward into twenty twenty one, and he's obviously elected for four years. Um, you know, what is your What's your hope? What's your, cause obviously I know we've, you know, town of Plattsburgh and, um, city of Plattsburgh, there's been a little bit of, uh, at odds here and there, you know, and I think, um, kind of wh- where's your hope and thoughts and, you know, anything that you've discussed with, you know, uh, I guess Mayor, I get official name Mayor elect right now. Is that what we call yeah, him? Mayor elect, Mayor elect. Um, yeah. you know, what, what have you and Chris kind of discussed and talked about? And, you know, is there anything that you can share that you think would be, something that you're looking forward to or thinking that's, Hey, this could be a real bright spot in our community going forward. I thought this was like an apolitical show. It's not a, I'm just, I'm just playing cash money. So this is the thing (laughs) I had both gentlemen on. I've had, I've had, I would say in the point with you, I know, but I'm thinking the political realm. See, I like politics. 
I really do like politics. I don't like debating people in politics because I'm one where like I don't care. People don't yeah. care what I think, but um, I, I think I'm excited because I look at you as I'm a huge fan of yours in the sense of just like where I believe your heart and where your your goal is set for the, the and, and again I think you really put a lot of effort and time and you don't just walk the walk but you talk the talk and or sorry you don't talk the talk <laughs> you walk the walk and uh I think like you basically what you say you back it up with action and I'm a big same thing in my like I, I my life and business and stuff and and I if I I don't want to just say something I want to actually do it and my hope is that and having you know spoken to Chris that you know, I, I know he has a lot of, you know, thoughts and, and things he wants to put in play. And that was one of the things he brought up was being actionable yeah. and putting it into play. So L- let me let me say this, Galen. Um, first and foremost, your your words humble me. Um, your viewers can't see this, but uh, uh, I don't I don't take compliments very well. So I'm, I'm actually uh, blushing a little redder than normal. Uh, yes, a little <laughs> bit redder than normal. Uh, uh, that elf complexion. Um I want to touch on a couple of things that you say, and and first I want to give Scott Beebe a shout out mm-hmm. um, because it was um, nothing less than refreshing to have two candidates of the caliber that put themselves forward to be considered um, the mayor for the city of Plattsburgh. And I had uh, the good fortune to have many conversations with Scott Beebe and many conversations with Chris during the election because there was a sincere interest to collaborate, to partner, however you want to put it. And and I, and I want to just correct one statement because I think it's really important uh, for folks to understand is the town and the city have not been at odds and, not, and, and are not at odds. And what I mean by that is uh, many of our department heads between the two municipalities continue to partner and to do some good things. Um, And I love, love the city of Plattsburgh. Part of the reason that I came into this region originally was to attend SUNY Plattsburgh. Uh, I met my wife at freshman orientation. I worked at SUNY Plattsburgh. I got married on the stairs of Hawkins Hall with my beautiful bride. I love the city of Plattsburgh. the town and city were not at odds. The there was a personality conflict, and um, you know this isn't telling tales out of school. Uh, Mayor Reed and I do not see eye to eye on many things. Uh, over the course of his uh, time as mayor, I gave kudos to him where it was appropriate in those particular items, but also was not going to. Um, uh, be a fool to some of the malarkey that he put out there. Now, going towards the future, um, you know, it, it's funny. As I was getting dressed this morning, um, I put on uh, these fun socks, and uh, they are. Um, Did you know I wear these r- random socks, right? Or yeah. No? Okay. Okay. And but these socks are CP Rail socks, and um, I got them when I went on the holiday train with Mayor Kalnon a number of years ago. Mm. We actually um, uh, rode up on the train. Uh, I forget where we, ju- where we jumped on, uh, but we, we went south a number of stops, and we got to ride on the train and then pull into Plattsburgh. And the reason I'm invoking that was 
that experience wasn't just city residents at that event, right? There were residents from town of Plattsburgh, city of Plattsburgh, from from Ellenburg, from Peru, from Beekman. I mean, just all over the place. And it and it is so symbolic of people coming together, right? And people, you know, brought canned foods and non-perishable foods. And also, it, it reminds me of a great experience that I had with Mayor K- Jim Kelnon. He and I, I consider Jim a really good friend. Um, I was very blessed and fortunate to work with him. And um, some people don't know this, that Jim gave me a, a key to the city. And I have it in my office. And I, and I proudly display it because to me it's about this connection with bigger things. The town and the city have a shared history. We are two independent municipalities and and, and some people will say, oh, well, the two of you should merge and all that type of stuff. You know, we can, we can debate that until we're blue in the face. I don't believe that's the case. Uh, Chris doesn't, you know, adopt that philosophy, but the two of us do adopt that there's opportunity to promote the greater Plattsburgh region. And we had a number of conversations during the campaign uh, since he's been elected, we've talked a number of times. Uh, we're going to do some more joint events before he's even, you know, fully sworn in and, and taken office on January 1st. Now, I'll say this about Chris and I. Our style is a little bit different, um, but we have a shared interest in our community and the region uh, in, in promoting good things and looking for the positive just like my wife and I don't agree 100% of the time, I don't expect Chris and I to agree 100% of the time. But I'm confident that we can get in a room, have a conversation, disagree, and still find opportunities you know, that will be of benefit to each other and not be in this kind of cage match um, you know, period that, that, that the last four years have felt like. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just pumped because again, having known, again, not a, not a political show. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. No, nobody wants to really hear me with politics. So I'm not super. Uh, I don't pay attention to them enough, just because I just, I, I don't. Again, I, I know some stuff, but I don't dive deep into it. I kind of, I'm one where I focus on what I can affect and kind of my little world. And but I like to understand. I like to understand things outside of my space, and that's what I've tried to do a little bit more recently. And meaning. Um, you know, whether it's learning about agriculture, learning about manufacturing and learning, like I like learning about yeah. different subsets within our County um, and more of our region. So when I look at, you know, I live in the town, of, like we're town of Plattsburgh, right? Live yeah. In, yeah okay. You live in the town. I was going to say, I'm like, I always say it's Morrisonville, <laughs> but I'm like, it's still town of Plattsburgh. So um, otherwise you probably aren't running for town of town of supervisor. So uh, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> cat's out of the bag. <laughs> Just move the boundaries up. Actually, your side. So, um, but I, I look at like I live in the town of Plattsburgh. I work in the city of Plattsburgh, yeah. and it's like so. And having grown up locally in the area, um, I found Plattsburgh was always like the big city when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I lived in Chazy, yeah. but you visited. But now it's like I have a I have a direct impact. I know so many more people in the last few years, um, both in and out of the city of Plattsburgh, and. I look at it as I, I never plan on leaving the area. Like I just, I love the area. I grew up here, family and friends. And, you know, I kind of look at my, my like North star that I'm working towards for like 50, 60 years. I say that just cause I'm going to be going up till I'm way old, but, um, is I just want to make as great of an impact on this area as possible. So like right now I kind of look at it like, 
you know, I'm gradually getting into that step, trying to get more connected, trying to know more people, trying to kind of understand more things, how everything works in the area, um, and hopefully put more or give more back to the community than I took. And and that's why I love the the, the, the Local Matters campaign, because it transcends it's it's not about city it's not about town it's 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 just bigger than that it's it's about mm-hmm. all of us all of us can be part of that campaign and and more importantly that movement you know and we, well so so okay so our our, our good friend uh fellow uh, capricorn aaron benner yeah was uh they were the ones and i i don't know who came up with it it might have been i think it was aaron came up he's like you know lo- local matters and he started like kind of he kind of went on one of those like famous uh benner rants and then he like kind of stopped he's like that's it and I'm like, what? And he goes, local matters. And that kind of like hit. And I was like, yeah, it does. So, mm-hmm. but the whole idea when we started, that was about two years, uh, yeah, but basically two years ago, to almost to the day when that kind of came out, our first initial thought when we put that into play was this is not a Kavanaugh slogan. This is not a real estate slogan. This is something we, 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 it piggybacked off of our company, but I was, my goal was that I hope this hashtag local matters, which if anybody's seen any of my posts over the last two years, every post has hashtag, only use one post, one hashtag, hashtag local matters. And my goal was to see more people start to use that yeah. as that becomes a common hashtag locally. And I slowly have started to see people use it. And some people have no clue. Scott Beebe, I brought it up to him. Scott Beebe was putting that on a lot of his early posts before he even knew who Scott Beebe was. And I was like, that was the first time I was like, wow, somebody is, and I don't know if it was he because he saw it or if it's just maybe something he put down yeah. but i've seen other friends and i've seen other companies starting to use that i'm like that is perfect and there was actually a local publication i saw probably a month ago and they had put it on the back of their publication and i said this is great because i don't again i don't know if they saw it from us i don't know what the case is but the more we can spread that and that kind of be a um a, i say campaign or a movement locally um the one you had the other day, what was the hashtag you used? I thought was great. It was like two two Plattsburghs, one Berg, or something. So Chris developed a hashtag, and 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 you know, again, being uh, in a partnership, it's uh, two Bergs, one tone, Got and it. and it's this idea of you know, we're not talking about merging our two municipalities. We're mm-hmm. talking about how we set a chair at the table for one another. And make sure that we have an opportunity to collaborate and and set, you know, in 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 putting forth the value and living it of you know local matters and you know the first event that Chris and I actually did uh, after the election, interestingly enough, was for uh, Shop Small, mm-hmm. and I found I found it very fitting because Chris is a uh, small business owner. Mm-hmm. He is the uh, mayor elect, and you know, were there with other other members in the business community. I said, you know, the chamber lives and breathes this, right? They're promoting our region and promoting the value and the Adirondack Coast and all that type of stuff. And both Chris and I, those are values that we very much believe in, but we also want to live them in our daily lives you know, as independent leaders within the community. But we also want to find partnership so that we can elevate that to the next level. Um, and, and that's what really excites me. Uh, just really quickly, I want to give Chris um, you know, a, a shout out because he achieved two very significant things. First um, is um, he unseated for the first time a mayor uh, in a primary. You were talking about just kind of the, the, the politics. That is historic. But he is our first 
or will be our first black mayor in the city of Plattsburgh. Um, and it's incredible that um, Chris continues just to do some really great, amazing things. And that by itself won't be the only legacy that he leaves. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud uh, to know Chris and uh, what he has uh, contributed. And really, you know, outside of being a, an elected official myself, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Chris uh, contributes to the city and to the region more broadly. I think some uh, some good things are going to come out of it. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Like I said, I I was uh, I was just excited to see kind of I, I think I, I call it like a reset, just kind of like a, a hard reset yep. going into 2021. Um, other thing too is both coffee guys. That's mm-hmm. something I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Have you have you ever had the pour over there? Yeah, it's phenomenal. They make a very good pour over. And uh, do you make pour overs at your house? We would, we, this would not be a podcast with cash money if we didn't have a coffee talk. You know, it's I go in so many different directions. But you're a pot guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, I, I don't care how it comes as long as it gets in the cup and goes down the gullet. Uh, I mean, I just, I, you know, today I'm actually probably uh, what feels like a gallon behind in the tank of coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I really have not had as much as I usually have, and, I, and I'm feeling it. So what? What? Uh, like, when's the day end today? Because I'm taking. I thank you for you know giving your time to this. Yeah, but no what? What? Uh, I figure you're because you asked like, what do we talk about? I said, I, I, like, I always look. I'm like, I just think you're someone I can put a mic in front of. And you can just go. But if we, you know, we probably will have you on like once a year. You know, kind of like a. St- We'll call it the state of Mike Cashman on the oh, Gil and Trombley show. You know, just kind of give us the that, update. You just you just lost all but one listener, and that's if I can even convince my mother you, to listen. You to know what? You know what? We're going to personally invite her to listen to this. We'll, yeah. we'll send her all the links. Yeah. But she, I, she she probably would tune out too. You, you know you know what the uh, the crazy thing is? I've been doing this show now for two years. This month is yeah. when we first filmed uh, episode one. And your episode what 110, which I thought was cool. My goal was one a week, yeah. and uh, we're a little bit ahead of that. And the the amount of downloads, because I'm like, people are like, how many people actually listen to this? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of slowly started out. And I've looked in the last like three months. I think the average download is like forty something. Wow, which is not huge, but you start from someplace. Like I remember the first few, you had like ten, and yeah. you know it was like friends of yeah. friends of friends, and now. Because I can see the analytics of where people are watching it. And there's people oh, cool. all over the world that listen. Now, I do know some of these people are people that are probably traveling, so they probably downloaded it in other countries. But um, there's a lot of people that listen all around. I have a, like now maybe these are friends of mine that live up there, but there's a decent amount of people from Canada that listen to it. And it's some people that don't live anywhere around here. When you start going from the other crazy thing is when you go by states, like who's downloading it by state? Mm. And I look and I'm like, okay. I kind of know somebody from that state, so maybe I get why they're listening yeah. to it. I one of the most listened to states of this podcast is Michigan. Hmm. I can't tell you. I have no clue who listens to this from Michigan. I tried to do all like my, you know, numbers and figuring out who do I know that lives out in Michigan, and I don't think I know anybody. So, um, so that's kind of cool too when you actually can bear it down. But the idea that I've had more. 50 plus download episodes in the last three months than I ever have. So I don't know if that's just growth of the channel, if that's specific guests. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy that if we've gone from like 10 to now year two, we're starting to hit like that 40, 50 range a year from now. Are we at 60? No, I don't know. We'll see. We could, could maybe a little bit higher, but, but uh, I always find it fun to bring people back on because again, it's like different perspectives and people, especially people that I enjoy talking to. Cause 
at the end of the day, it's people I like to talk to, not necessarily who the person is. Yeah. So, cause it, like, again, there's people that people have heard of. There's people I bring on here that nobody's ever heard of, but they're like good friends of mine. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I like talking to them. So we're just going to sit here and talk for two, three hours and maybe have a drink and relax and, and I, shoot I think, the breeze. I think there's something really powerful in, in the casual conversation, you know, the, un, the unscripted and, uh, you know, I've, I've been, uh, listened and downloaded a number of your episodes. We were talking about, um, a couple of folks earlier and, you just hear things that just kind of strike you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it could be somebody that, you know, somebody that you don't even really know, but everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a story. Uh, some people have better stories than others, but everybody's got a story. Well, well I think, I think the people that I enjoy is, is the, the people that ha are conversational because some people have good stories, yeah. but they stop yeah. and they, they, or they think I'm going to bore someone with the story. I'm like, well, this is the time to tell your story. Give us all the details because I like one, you're sitting down and actually hearing someone tell it from their perspective. Um, so it's people that can carry on a conversation, but I actually thought of, wouldn't it be cool to do a, you know, podcast where you grab a random person off the street and just interview them. You don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the Joe Dirt. Remember Joe Dirt, yep. the movie when he just sat down and they started, he was on the airwaves. Next thing you know, he was like a national hit and he's just yeah. talking like this on a, on a, <laughs> what, what was it? Dennis Miller. Wasn't that the, the, so, the right? host? Was yeah, it? Yeah, this, I was, so. this was like an old, uh, years ago, probably what nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, I was thought like, imagine just showing like, randomly someone walks the next person will walk by the train station hey can you come to a podcast and just listen to their story because mm -hmm. i think a lot of people everybody has a unique story however because everybody lives a different life and it's but it's cool to like or even like how did you get to plattsburgh could be someone off the train and like yeah. how did you get to plattsburgh and that might be something i got to look at doing is just like hey how many hours you got to kill three hours come up and do a podcast tell us why you're here and they may just be like i'm coming here from work and this is how i just kind of cross yeah. paths but um Plattsburgh is it it's just crazy when I always think of how many well-known people have driven through Plattsburgh on 87. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. So when Olivia and I graduated from college, we uh went to Paris. And we were in the basically the subway, okay? Mm. Been there. And, Paris? Yeah, and we both had uh Plattsburgh state hoodies on. And someone approached us and said, we used to be stationed there oh, at yeah. the Air Force Base. And, and it was just, it was such a cool thing to occur right after we graduated, like, because it was kind of like, we were, we chatted about it, you know, later on that day, we were at dinner, or, you know, eating, uh, you know, uh, you know, French pastry or whatever, like, but I remember the conversation vaguely enough that it was like, we thought it was the coolest thing that... A place that we had just spent four years, and now we were in a, you know, a totally different place in the world, and people knew Plattsburgh, and there was this like sense of connection, and like it was a fleeting moment, it was a fleeting conversation that the person approached us, and we we're like, oh yeah, you know, blah, just graduated, oh yeah, you know, it was there for the Air Force, and then the person got on their train, and we got on their train, we went a different way, but yeah, Plattsburgh was still like this thing that connected us in a much more global. It was just, it was neat. What year did you come to Plattsburgh again? So, uh, I came to Plattsburgh in 1999, uh, and then was here 99 to 2003 for my undergraduate and then did my, uh, graduate work. Okay. So I, I was thinking, cause you would have, you came right after the yep. base closure. Um, yep. yeah. And that's, I was a kid. I was actually, so, you know, hometown cable, yep. right? So, um, they put some, they put videos out on YouTube. So every once in a while, like on a random, like Friday, Saturday, I'm home with the kids and we're like, 
I just go onto YouTube and I we play just a random thing. And like I'll find like a maybe a game I coached or a yeah. game my wife played in and we'll just watch it and like laugh yeah. at yeah. you know. There's but, some great stuff on there. But so I started watching um old chamber videos uh-huh. from the nineties. Yeah. And uh Gary looking slim and trim, like he, he was he was hosting something. And then it was park. They had park board meetings yeah. over in the basin. The thing is, like, I know some of those people now, but it was so cool to see that. And again, I I love history, but now knowing people and kind of being more immersed in, like, the local business scene, looking back at times when I was a kid, and a lot of these people who they were right in the prime of all this, mm-hmm. um, to look at those and then kind of be like, oh, I know Gary, I know Mark Berry, I know, I think, Marion Bordeaux, who's a been in real estate forever she's was on the board and uh you start kind of watching these things and i'm like this is this is pretty incredible and then just listening what they're talking about um and back then i mean those those you know that group or that those individuals leading park after the base closure i mean that was a huge huge thing and i got to do more research on it because i just like the history of that and kind of where we were there to where we are now and just you know that was only 25 years ago which is crazy but it's it's amazing to look back and to see how much has been achieved um very short amount of yeah. time historically yeah um that, that and i think that's the biggest thing locally is like i'm just excited for the future but i'm excited now because i have more context of the future like you would ask me 10 years ago i was like a kid i'm like i don't even know how to get to <laughs> where the base what what part of the base like i've been to the oval one time and i was like you know, my parents drove, so I was probably like in the car looking at something and not paying attention to the road. So it's just cr- like, actually, I, I still remember our your road, not my road, but I didn't even know those three roads existed yeah. until I was in real estate. And I went and I showed, I still remember the house on Ashton that I showed. And the funny thing was when I went to go, like, I thought it was a whole new world. And then I'm like, Morrisville, this is a nice place. And this yeah. was like 10 years ago. And now, needless to say, I live there and I, I love it there. But it's just funny how, um, you know you're you open up as you get older just things kind of click a little bit more for you and i was one of those kids i was living in a i was just living life as a young young uh young man but um so for your birthday i gotta ask you so you're you're uh how how do you feel about turning 40 um i feel okay right now and 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 i know that kind of sounds a little bit weird i've not reflected on it much um largely because i feel like life has just been so kind of bumping along that i just haven't done it so this is my thought on 40 then i'm going to give you my perspective again perspectives change now that i i I figure i'm a little bit older i got a you got a callaway uh drink there too do you play a lot of golf um no i walk in the woods a lot like i told you so um, i never would have guessed you would have had a callaway thermos i just uh, things that blow that, that just blew my mind that's good. Just a little side. I just caught it. Okay. Caught a glimmer of the. I got. I caught the logo. It's, it's the thing about it's, branding. It's the little things. Yeah. So, so this is forty. I remember my dad turning forty. Mm-hmm. I thought he was old as shit. Like I'm like, this is my dad turning forty. This guy is old. Okay. I was young. I was like ten. And now <laughs> I look at people that are forty, and I'm like, they're young, man. They're young. Like I look at people. I know people now in the sixties and seventies. I'm like, you look great. Like you're still kicking. And so I always think it's funny as you get older. Like I look at 40. I turned 30 a year ago. I was pumped to turn 30. Yeah. Because I was like, you know what? I learned and grew so much in my 20s that my 30s is literally just going to take where I left off and build off of that. But com- again, I call it snowball effect. Compoundly bit build off of the 20s because 20s was kind of like a slow growth. My 30s, 
you know, are going to be in even bigger growth just because you're taking everything you've learned and more, more awareness. So then I'm like my thirties, I'm pumped. And I think when I go into my, hopefully when I go into my forties, I feel the same. So that's what I was wondering. Do you feel 20 years ago when I thought you were old as dirt? Now I'm looking at you. I'm like, you are a spry young man. So I don't know if we talked about her on, on the last show or not. I, I just can't remember, but someone that was really, really influential in my life was my aunt Hazel. And she lived to the wise old age of 103. I think you told me her okay. about her, yes. And, and you know, as you kind of pose this question to me, I kind of am, am looking at it through my experience with her. What always was both frustrating and humorous is that I used to spend, you know, the night at my dad's house. Yeah, my, she lived with my, my grandmother and my dad. And uh, you'd wake up and you'd be rust, rubbing crust out of your eye. And if it was the first thing, uh, you, you'd, the first time you'd see her in the morning, you'd go, what have you learned? And you're like, I just woke up, woman. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And she always had this sense of, as long as your eyes are open, there's an opportunity for you to learn something. And, you know, same thing. Like, you know, if I brought a friend up, uh, to hang out for the weekend or whatever, the f- before, forget names and introductions. It was like, what have you learned? And my friend would be like, I, I'm trying to remember, like, yeah, I told you about this, this is what she's going to do. And that idea of she was a scholar of life and she took every opportunity. It wasn't about books. It wasn't about anything formal. It was even this, this conversation of, so as I am entering my 40s, I want to renew the concept of what have you learned and what i've learned to date is i'm really fortunate uh to have an incredible wife an incredible family incredible friends like yourself and and others um and you know that i want to recommit myself to doing whatever i can to make my community a better place that that's the other thing that connects with my aunt because she was a big believer in service to others and and that and that really kind of is the the rudder in my life of keeping me on course is you know doing something that's bigger than yourself and uh if i can if i can achieve if i can continue to achieve that or or attempt to do that in the next 10 years i, I think the next decade will be pretty good to me and, and you are the you're on the service is the state service committee What's the official title? Because I know that. So um, I'm I'm the chair of the New York State uh, um, Service Commission for uh, state and federal. Um, basically, it, um, it it supervises the AmeriCorps program in New York State. Because I know last time we had spoke, we don't have to go into it. If, yeah. if you want to listen to it, go back to Mike's first uh, episode. We went into the, in detail, but I know I know you said that was a big deal for you at the time. Again, coming from um, you know coming from service, but just a sec coming from service and just, again, that just being like a, something near and dear to your heart. But I think you brought up your aunt at the same time, the mm-hmm. last time we talked about it. So um, now what has been one of the, like, what's something, I guess, over the next 10 years that you hope to potentially accomplish or hope to realize, or, I mean, have you set out maybe not a formal goal where you've like wrote it down, but is there something that, that you could look at right now saying, man, if, if I was sitting here 10 years from now and thinking I'm turning 50, you know, what did it? Cause again, you look back at like when you were 30 to now, I mean, you've done a ton of stuff. And yeah. um, I had this conversation with a friend the other day and like, I, I don't like birthdays because 
I always just dwell on the last year as to what I didn't accomplish. And I always, and I said, and I was quick to kind of correct this person. And I said, well, I always look at my day to day. I always feel like I'm not doing anything. I try to, I try to be fast day to day. But if you were to ask like recap 2020 or recap my twenties or whenever, I always look back and say, man, I've grown quite a bit. And I look at it very, very positive where my day to day I could look at not being negative, but could look at it like, man, I should have done a little more, focused a little bit more. But like you said, what did you learn today? I look at each day like, did I give it my best effort as to what I had? Like if whatever my capacity was that day, and some days we have better days than others, but was I able to maximize my capacity for that day and do something to get a little bit better or learn something? I, you know, I think 2020 if if you're looking at the landscape kind of that you laid out has taught me is to look for those moments of zen um i i you know my cousin uh kate has this um philosophy of look up more and i've been trying to look up more because i think that we have a tendency to you know keep our nose to the grindstone and just work 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 and be very very goal and you know specific I want to look at more. I want to make sure that I'm truly appreciating what is around me, uh, not only in the physical environment, the people that I'm that are around me too, uh, that I'm around and choosing to be with. Um, so, it, it it may be strange to say, but I I have not formulated kind of the mile markers of what I want to achieve in the next ten years, and I'm okay with that. I think for the first time, maybe ever, mm-hmm. because. I think that you, in my own life, I've been really fortunate to have some incredible opportunities find me in a way that has been um, coupled with the, the work that I've put into my, you know, my life and my profession and various things. But also sometimes the, the energy that you put out is what you get in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be open to some things that may come to me that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily sought or chased after. Um, and I think that that gets me excited for the next 10 years is a little bit of the unknown. Are, are you somebody, if, if an opportunity came to you, do you typically try to go, like if an opportunity presented itself and maybe it is something that you look forward to very um, inviting saying, yes, let me tackle that. Or do you look at opportunity maybe that might be out of your comfort zone and look at it and say, oh, no, I'm not ready for that? Do you just kind of dive in or do you kind of, are you more cautious? I know that's kind of loaded because it could no, go either no, way for certain yeah, things. but Well, I, I'll give you the example. The best example I can think of is when Bernie Bassett, who was then the town supervisor, basically announced that he was not going to run for town supervisor. I was among the chorus of people going, Who's the next supervisor going to be? Okay. Like I wasn't looking in the mirror going, you're going to be the next town supervisor. Like it really, I I was in the chorus singing like the, the question of who's it going to be. And it took a friend to have a conversation with me that said, you know, sometimes the train only leaves the station once. I was like, oh, and then that person said, you know, I said, well, no, I really love my job at Plattsburgh. So, you know, kind of like erring on the, on the cautious side of things, but that person then said, well, talk to three of your best friends. And then I ended up having a conversation with my wife. And, you know, so I'm willing to make the leap, but I also like to make sure that I'm doing it with 
heart my, heart and mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want to just love something and think, oh yeah, this is good for me. I really try to make sure that I measure it out. Mm-hmm. Make sure that it's, you know, there that you don't just do something that's for your own ego too. Because I could have very easily done the, you know, gone through the process and had some conversations with people and said, yep, uh, you're not the right person or it's not the right time. And I, I would have been okay with that too. So it kind of balanced out in that particular case it did. And it's, and it's led to this, you know, wonderful journey that I'm on. And obviously now I'm in my second term, but I don't know what the next umpteenth years are going to look like. What I can tell you is though, I'll only serve as town supervisor for three terms. That's a commitment that I've made. I'll never run for a position down in DC. I don't want to be uh, a member of Congress. Um, so that starts to put a frame on some of the things that I'm willing and not willing to do, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. So when when would re-election be for you? Uh, 22? Uh, no, 2023, I believe it is. Oh, last year you were up? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so... I, again, you know, if I run, it will only be for one more term. Mm-hmm. I really believe that 12 years is a is a good um, period of time for people to make an impact. And the reason I like 12 years, um, and it drives me crazy when, when presidents go in, 10 years, we're going to do this. Well, first of all, you're only in office for eight. So, you know, that's just, you know, 10 years not getting to anything. In, in, a, in a 12-year period, I don't care what you're doing. If you're you know, uh, the CEO of a business, if you're, you know, new to a job, if you're volunteering somewhere, pretty much anything you do takes a year for you to really get your feet underneath you. Right. Even if you're, you're good at, good at, you just, you need, Mm -hmm. you need an orientation year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then think of it on the, on the continuum of the last year should be the year that you're, you're, putting things to bed you're you're closing things out you're you're making sure that the house is in order for good positive transfer okay so that leaves you a decade of time to really make an impact and you can look at lots of different studies that will tell you that it takes about 10 years to make cultural change for anything so that's why i look at it okay three terms 12 years kind of meets that that mile those mile markers from beginning to end gives me a 10-year window to achieve some some things i think that uh i've been really fortunate to work with an incredible team on the town council and 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 the employee team uh that we've been doing some things i think we still have a lot of good things ahead of us um but you can't get too far out too that um you know with elections Things can change, you know, very quickly. And uh, but I, I personally believe that we should have term limits um, at all levels. I I, uh, I think I asked you the term the term limit question. I asked Billy too, and I forgot which one was you or him. Both said, and you might have both said it, but kind of like your term limit is when you're up for reelection. And why I do agree with that, meaning if you do a good job, you'll be reelected. Mm-hmm. And um, I think on the local level, that's true. Um, I think when you start getting to the, the federal level, when you have, you know, when it, when you, money starts to talk a little bit more, that I think there's a lot more outside influence on elections that I don't think that's as, and may, I could be totally wrong, but I think that's not as fair as if you were to say supervisor, I'm just going to run until someone wants to take, you know, it's not like people are throwing, you know, 
tens of thousands or millions of dollars at you to rerun in a Plattsburgh election. It's pretty much you, um, you know, some, you know, local donors here and there, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is very grassroots and it's kind of like, Hey, I'm the guy, this is my policy. This is my uh, reputation. This is my record. Um, if you think I'm doing a good job, you'll vote me in. And I agree with the term. I agree with both and both ideas. I think term limits at the, you know, the congressional level, um, in the feds, I think that should be, I believe that should have term limits. I think as you go, and again, I think we all follow suit from, you know, kind of the federal yeah. level down to the local, but, but, yeah. but I go back to, you know, uh, as a representative down in DC to have two year term, two year terms. That's crazy. That's it's crazy. Yeah. I think it's crazy for state Senator or state assembly, uh, to have two year terms as well, you know, because you get, into into a, 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 a of a mode of operation that really gets jammed up really quickly. You know, it should be four years uh, at minimum. Uh, and again, I I still advocate. And some people will say, well, you know, part of the benefit of uh, ha- allowing people to have uh, such lengthy careers is, uh, you know, they they really understand their constituency and they can become advocates and and this. Um, yeah, but I I also think that there's other things that can be done to allow for that. Um, there, there's huge gaps, huge generational gaps in politics and public service, right? I mean, you and I talked about this before, but when I first got elected, I was 34. You know, like I, I'm 30 years to the young of the next youngest person sometimes when I was in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and that's, that's not to make a statement of ageism. It's to talk about how there is a disconnect in representation. You know, we need more women in politics. We need, uh, you know, we, 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 there, there's so many categories that we need more of. And, um, and, and that's why I wanted to give Chris a shout out. Um, and, you know, Meg Lefebvre, who you know, is, uh, so when I first got elected to the town board, I was the youngest ever elected town council person. And Meg came in and she took kind of that, you know, distinction uh, still carry the the youngest town supervisor, which you know I think is kind of neat from the perspective of why I'm proud of that is not only from the young standpoint, but I I'm not a native to the area, and I was really really humbled that people in this region said, yeah, we'll give we'll give the kind of the new kid on the block a shot, uh, not only by age, but someone that wasn't uh, you know born here in the North Country, but understood that my roots really are planted very, very deep here in the North country. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think one thing I always talk about with, with people like when they, again, not to be overly political, but when people start talking about things that are happening in, in um, whether it be policy or whether it be views or whatever, mm-hmm. I said, the, the thing is over time, historically things culturally and society, um, as a society change things, things evolve. And I, I think, Right now, we're starting to see a, a big, you know, things kind of coming to a head here where it's, you know, kind of the changing of the old guard to the new guard slightly, but I think it has to do generational um, or ge- generational gap that we're starting to see kind of overlap a little bit. So I think that I'm hoping that, and again, this might not be the case, but right now, politics, at least at the, you know, the federal level, they're, they're very, um, there's there's a clear divide, and, and which is unfortunate, but I, I'm hoping, and I think that 
if you were to ask me 20 years from now, I think that divide is going to be a little bit closer. And I think as you go, I think, and there's always going to be different sides because new things are going to pop up. Things that are important in 2020 may not be important in 2060. Things just, you know, um, same thing in history. Things from the 50s are not talked about anymore because they've kind of like figured it out or they're obsolete. But yeah, no, I, so th this is, this is what I fear though. Okay. Because I think we, one of the things I really appreciated about uh, growing up in, in my household is we pretty regularly had dinner together, okay? And we talked about our days. Mm -hmm. and But we also talked about things that, unfortunately, I think a lot of people make very taboo. And that's politics, religion, you know, sex, money. Like, just, you know, the things that I think if you're talking about them and having a conversation— and and can and learn to disagree. You know, I, I have many many friends that are different religions and different political views, and 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 what I like most about it is, it gives me an opportunity to reaffirm some of my values and why I think the way that I do. But it also gives me a sense of reflecting on things from a different perspective like oh i i never i never understood why you know someone thought x y and you know like mm -hmm. if if all you do is live in a vacuum i don't know if that will change or now galen and and that's and that's what i'm concerned about is i think we are on the threshold and we either take one big step forward and people understand that we have to move forward together but do so, we can take one left foot and one right foot, but still be part of the same body. You know what I mean? Um, or we just kind of never pass that threshold and we kind of find ourselves complacent and, and sliding backwards. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, I don't know where we go. Yeah, It, it could. I, 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 I'm hoping that cause, and I guess what I'm pointing at is I know like take like some social issues that, even when I was a kid were, and again, I'm going from a perspective of the last maybe 15 to 20 years. Um, but to a lot of more from the social standpoint, like, like one I kind of think about is, um, you know, you take like gay marriage. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, gay marriage was one of those things that you heard that wasn't very accepted. And I find, and again, not, I'm not, I don't want to generalize here, but I find that in 2020, the amount of people I come across day to day were way different than 15, 20 years ago. And I don't know if that's the change in the person, but I think it's that they're more comfortable stepping out and being more in the community. So when I see, you know, a lot of different people societal wise, whether it's marriage, gender, whatever, and it's just now become more of a norm, at least from, for me looking at it, I look at that as, I think that's a positive thing, meaning because I think that we're evolving and people that were not accepting years ago are more accepting now. And maybe that's not the case. I, I think I, I do. I know. I, I, I definitely understand, understand from a, from a perspective of where, where you're coming from. And I think part of that is true. What I also think is very unfortunate though, is there is a segment of our, of our world that has become emboldened. Okay. To be very blatant and destructive uh, in a way that they may have hidden bef behind before, you know. I, you know, I, you know, I have. I mean, they're starting to come out and show their uh, bad colors. Uh, I guess. Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. I mean, just I, I think that some people have been very emboldened to be. Uh, you know, they've always been. 
you know, uh, biased and racist. And, 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 I, and, and I think people are saying things, but particularly in social media too. Mm-hmm. I think social media, um, and that's not to say I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and stuff, but some of the nasty vitriol that I have seen over the last several years isn't saddening. It is heartbreaking mm-hmm. that we have devolved into that level. And, you know, um, I, I, I think that, again, I'm always happy to see people be able to live who they are, but they have, we have to create a community uh, and a world, not a space, a community and a world that people are safe. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, people shouldn't, you know, a space is a room. A space is like a little tiny box, right? A community is that they should be able to go to any restaurant, any business, any park, any, any you know, any place in the globe that is accepting and, and sadly, I think that there are a number of people, for a number of reasons, but the political environment, I think, has been part of, part of the powder keg that has ignited a lot of nastiness. Um, and, and I wouldn't say that we're more divided than we've ever been before. I think people are just more emboldened to live out those values that I don't necessarily agree with but i'm seeing them more when i talked about like i think the when i talk about september october november that the run-up to like the election and everything i think that's what like made me depressed to the point where i would stop watching the news i'm like i can't watch like no matter what it's just this it was very toxic and i'm not a person when i when i use social media i'm on social media a lot i try to be very positive in my social Mm -hmm. media i try to follow people that are positive i will take not that I, I have people that post stuff on social media that are different viewpoints than me and I follow them and I have no problem with that. If it gets to the point where it becomes nasty or it becomes then out, then I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm out yep. either side. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's just, yeah. it's just a lot. I'm like, this is someplace where I want to go to, you know, have a break from the day or to catch up on stuff. And I find that I, I, my scrolling and I don't. This wasn't something I chose to do. I think just it naturally happened. My scrolling of the social media feed mm-hmm. has gone down. Yeah. I very rarely Facebook. I post on Facebook. If I if I check Facebook, I check my notifications to see if people are commenting or liking or whatever. I don't go in and look through what's happening. Um, kind of, I was telling you before we got an air. I was like looking someone up on social media just because I don't really. I'm not. Have you heard of the phrase doom scrolling? Is that when people just find they keep scrolling until something just bad hits them and they just get up, uh, yeah, it, upset or whatever? It, it, yeah, it's kind of that collection of you know, yeah. it, it, and it's you know, there. I think social media has really there's a there's a piece of it that has I think kind of broken off of it. Social, right, is a piece that's missing. You know, when people post, you don't have to agree with the person on the other end. You know, it's not it's not necessarily just a broadcasting tool, right? Uh, you know, you might be angry at a show that you're watching and the news that you're watching, but you're not like, you know, firing up, you know, social media and like, you know, like direct. It's just things have changed so much with that standpoint that can you disagree with one statement but still agree with the person? Maybe mm-hmm. I think depending on 
what did they say and and what was the value of, of that sentiment too mm-hmm. um so I, I don't know i just this is what i really appreciate what you're doing with these podcasts is you're having this casual conversation where people can just rap um reminisce but also get into some things and then you know I would encourage people that, you know, I've always said this, one of the things that I love most about being in this community is, you know, you could be, at least back in the day before you were wearing masks, um, my wife used to joke all the time that we always went food shopping on Sundays. And I and it was one of my favorite activities because by the time we got like into uh, near the potatoes and the produce section, I would already be talking like with two or three people and she'd be like, all right, I'll catch back up with you in the frozen food section because like conversations are powerful Mm -hmm. and you know, they can solve things. They can lift your spirits. You can lift other people's spirits. Um, But I, but I think we also need to be attentive that how we say things and what we say um, do have an impact on the people around us. Yeah, and, and one of the things about the podcast is, one, for me, it's people I like to talk to, but it's also, I don't sugarcoat it, and I don't bring on, not, not, not a, I don't bring on people that agree with me, Yeah, and I don't bring on people because they agree with me or don't agree with me. I, I, like, I like talking to people that might have different backgrounds, different viewpoints. I would like to do more of that as we go, as I go forward and bring on different people, but I like, I'm open to hearing ideas and thoughts. And, and I think, because that allows me to formulate stuff. And like you said, if somebody disagrees with you, it doesn't mean you're right or they're wrong, but it allows you a chance to look at it from their lens and say, okay, now I, and I, th- I think I almost, it's weird, but I kind of consider it one of my superpowers, I guess. Like if you had like a superpower or something, mm-hmm. you like, yeah. you think you're, you're good as I, I am, I'm fairly self-aware myself, but I'm fairly self I say self-aware aware of others meaning like if if I'm not one of those people to react very quickly because my initial thought if you were upset at me say for some reason you're like ah whatever you said something to me or I heard through the grapevine that you didn't like me my initial thought is not I'm a victim and this is terrible and I hate Mike and you know and then bash back at him my initial thought is what made him think that mm-hmm. and this is how, and I don't know if this is me you know being kind of in a in a service public industry, you know, in real estate and dealing with a lot of people and and uh, you know, housing can be very emotional for a lot of people and sure. um, you know, when you're talking money and you're talking where you grew up and livelihood and and life and um, I found that I'm very my goal in everything I do and the reason and again, I take this this is something my dad taught me um, years ago was if you can go to bed at night and you can sleep well, meaning you didn't do anything wrong, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you have a clear, a clean conscience, and very, very rarely have I done anything where I look at and I said, not that I didn't do it wrong, I could have done something wrong. Sure. But if my intent was not to do something wrong, it was my intent was to do something right or help. And again, based off whatever my knowledge or whatever I was coming from at that point in time, if my intent was good, um, then I'm fine. And it could have, maybe I said something and it pissed you off. And then I'm like, man, man, but I didn't intend to it. Then I could, I would have much and much easier conversation or chance to reach out to you and say, Hey Mike, I, what did I do wrong? Cause I, I really like you, but you know, I, I it, think, I think there's, I think there's a, a sense of perception and reality. You know, some people's perception become their, you know, becomes their reality. Perception is reality. Yeah. I, you know, and, and so I'm sure you've heard this before, but like, you know, 
all you got to do is to watch like any of the TV shows that you know have people buying or selling homes, and the person that's looking for homes like, yeah, so uh, I want marble counters, I want a, a walk-in closet, a two-bay garage, uh, and you know I only want to pay three hundred dollars a month. And you're it's like how. I can't give you that. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, so like you have to dial into some realism too. And, but, but their perception and their reality somewhere there, you know, is an opportunity to help maybe elevate their, their way of thinking why that may not be real. Or it may also be an opportunity for you to understand why, like that that's an impasse right that that they may never get past that and you just have to say okay you know maybe i shouldn't be your realtor because this you know the, i can't i can't meet your expectations right do you find that does that happen in your world at all sure i was gonna say it must it has to sure because i'm sure you hear people all the time that want something and you're like listen if i had a, if i had a magic wand or a crystal ball or a genie lamp Absolutely. i could do it but yeah, I, and I, and I and I've and I use that I use that statement. I'm like, I, I you know, there is no there is no magic wand. Um, I, I pretty regularly go back to the statement that that I that I used earlier is my wife and I don't agree 100 percent of the time. Do you have a wife, a brother, a sister, a mother? You know, kids. You know, do you agree with them 100 percent of the time? And usually the answer is no, and, and that becomes at least a foundation for us to begin a conversation. I said. So just like I respect my wife, I don't even use the word love. I said, respect my wife to listen to her and hope that she'll listen to me. I said, that's the same thing that I'm going to do with you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, tr- I tend to be a very solution focused person. I always tell people you get, you, you know, you get an hour. It's kind of, a, you know, j- kind of speaking generically, but if you want to yell at me for an hour, you can yell at me for an hour. If that's what you want, go ahead. But if if you want to come to me and with a with an issue, and for me to be a participant in in a way to try to solve something and make your life a little bit better or easier or, or you know it, you know I don't want to make it seem you know that illustrious, but something that you know to help you with what you're facing, let's work together. And you can be frustrated along the way, and you may not get a hundred percent of what you want either. Um, I always say if it's moral and ethical. I'll do whatever I can within my powers, within my powers. And local government is a, is, is a really fun part of it is because you have direct face-to-face contact with your constituents and, and people in your community. When's the last time that you ran into your federal senators? Mm-hmm. You know, it happens, but not as much as... You know, your highway superintendent, your council members, your town supervisor, your tax tax receiver, your, your town. You know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. it's different. And that's what I enjoy about it. Um, I, and I'll be honest. I know that I've not made 100 percent of the people that I've I work with and work for. That's the other part. I think a lot of people forget that as a public servant, you work for the people. But there's a guarantee that if I had a, a, a Yelp rating or an Uber rating or whatever you want, I probably am not at five stars. I want to be. Mm-hmm. I work towards it. Um, but I think that's where the intent aspect comes in. Your intention is to be a five-star review every time, meaning sure. you're trying to do the right thing. Sure. But and but reality is, um, and I'm sure you're someone that goes home and you know you, you hang out. You know, you and your wife hang out and you go to bed and you have no. You don't sit there and say, "Man, I did a bad job today," or "I didn't go. I didn't go to work today," and you know 
actively try to make a positive impact or do something good. So I think that's where it comes for me is the intent. I've had plenty of one and two star reviews, but I look at it and I can kind of dissect the situation and say, you know what? I think I did a good job. And if they don't see that that way, I'm totally fine. And I think that's just one where you, you can fight it you, or you can have the conversation if they're open to it. But there's, there's a certain point, um, again, I, I kind of look at the majority, you know, and if it's, it's like, if the majority of people think I'm doing a good job and at the end of the day, I think I'm doing a good job, meaning for what my expectation levels are for myself, then I'm okay. And I think that's important is I don't, I'm one of those people. I, I really don't care what people, I, I care what people think and I don't care what people think. Meaning I, I value your opinion. I value people's opinions because it allows me to bring into my um, my being and kind of dissect it and, and, you know, hopefully make me a better person. But at the end of the day, I do make decisions based off of, you know, whatever thoughts have come into my head, whether my upbringing, whether my people that are around me, whether my, you know, background or, or yeah. what I've learned. But for me, I take all that and I do what I, I do. And if you say, I don't like the way you did that, as long as I like did everything and I tried not to, again, the intent was good and you didn't like it. I could say, Mike, I respect that, but you know, this is why I did it. And I think that has allowed me to do, that has allowed me to grow quite a bit because I don't get crippled by other people's opinions and people thinking like, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Or I don't think that's a good idea. And I take it and I, I, I do process it, especially depending on the person who they are and you know, especially people that are close to me and I, they have a differencing, differing opinion. Um, cause we, everybody has a small group of people in their lives that make yeah. it, you know, like your wife's opinion is way more valuable than my opinion, you know, and that's, that's normal. And, but I would say my opinion may be greater than someone who you just met for the first time and don't really have a background context on them. And I think you try to, you know, you pick and choose that, uh, whose opinions matter, but I think all they do is they set, um, they give you information for you to make your own opinion and then make a decision. And again, backtrack all that. I really think as long as I'm following a, a good North star and kind of following like a golden rule kind of thing, I think every decision I make, whether it's good or bad in the long run is the right decision at that time. So what's your, how would you, how would you, uh, define your management style then? Because you're, you're a leader, you're a manager. I mean, how do you define it? I am having coached. So I coached sports for about eight years, coached soccer and basketball and, um, you know, played some sports, was a captain of some sports yep. and, uh, you know, now doing what I do now, I think I'm much more lead by example. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. Um, and this is something I'm, this is actually, I'll be honest. The hardest thing for me right now in work is not real estate. Real estate's one of those things. Like I've gotten good at real estate, like the X's and O's and how to do real estate. Sure. My thing is as I've grown, it's how to manage office. It's how to manage people that does not come naturally to me because I'm much more lead by example. I know my level of work. I know my rate of what I'm willing to, my output I'm willing to do, or my, sorry, my input I'm willing to put in. That's not the same for everybody. And I just actually had, I had a couple of conversations, um, probably in the last three weeks with a couple individuals and they kind of like brought me back down and said, you know what? You can't affect everybody the way you want to affect them or the way you think they want it. Or, or some, for some people you might want that more than they want it. So you got to re kind of like recalibrate and then focus on, you know, put your efforts into the people that want your efforts or they want your, um, your, you know, yeah, I guess they want my effort of mm -hmm. helping them versus trying to 
do too much for people that not not bad people, just they don't want that at this point in time. And I'm talking more from a real estate space. Like if sure. I'm trying to get you better at that, maybe they don't want that. So you know what? Instead of focusing on that, let's focus and double down on the people that do. And then eventually they might come around or they leave or whatever. But um, I'm definitely lead by example more than speaking. And I speak a lot. Obviously, I talk a lot. But it's not from a standpoint of giving you – I think if I was to give someone like a motivational or rah-rah speech – it's purely from passion than it is for me trying to jack somebody up. Meaning it's me just talking and like getting excited about what I'm talking about and then people feeding off that energy more than me like sitting you down and being like, okay, we're going to go win one for the Gipper. Like it's not, that's not my, <laughs> that's not my, um, a little Notre Dame analogy, but that's, um, that's not me. I don't know. What are you? Are you lead by example? One of the things that I really try to do is work, work with the person you know, let's say that it's it's an individual, right? You know, team dynamics I think are very unique because they each have their own culture, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I was really fortunate that one of the best bosses I've ever had also was a really really good friend of mine, and she gave me an extreme amount of autonomy, and the idea was I don't care how you get it done, just get it done, okay? But it came with a responsibility though that. If she wanted it done a particular way, you damn well better make sure that it was done that way because there was a reason. But mm-hmm. and and there and it didn't always come with like we have time to debate like why we're gonna you know we're gonna do it this way either. So it was there was an understood value. I I like consensus leadership and management, but I also recognize that the buck stops with me, and you can't make everybody happy. My grandfather once said, life isn't about making everybody happy at the same level. It's about making everybody dissatisfied at the same level. And, you know, and it's kind of a little snarky, but, but it's that sense of there are going to be times that no matter what you do, people are not going to be happy with the decision that you made. They're not going to be happy that you led by example, and you're the one that jumped into the you know, into the situation and rolled up your sleeve and, and, and did, did whatever. So, um, my ultimate goal is to be focused on a person's strengths is to try to play to their strengths is to, uh, not only identify them, but to help them, uh, develop them more. Have you, have you ever heard of strengths quest? Strength quest, strengths quest. So strengths quest is, and, and I won't I won't get too far into the weeds of it, but encourage your listeners and yourself to check it out. But basically, the idea is that you only have so much time and energy in a given day, right? And throughout your life, do you play towards your strengths, or do you play, or do you try to get your weaknesses more developed? Mm-hmm. Well, the idea really is, well, play towards your strengths. Use your strengths to kind of fill in maybe where your deficits are. And the idea is, uh, you know, do this as an exercise. If you were to, in, in cursive, write your name with your dominant hand five times, fold the paper so that, you know, you would write next to it, but you couldn't see your uh, uh, your signature, and you did it with your non-dominant hand and then unfold it and look at it, which one's better? Your dominant hand. Well, if I then offered you 100 bucks. You know, in the next hour, could you get your your non-dominant hand to be as good as the other one? You might take the challenge, but what would you be giving up to, to do that? Time, energy, level of frustration. See what I mean? Like it, there's this idea of 
Sometimes we focus too much on our weaknesses. We don't spend enough time developing the strengths within people and finding a way to get the job done that way. Um, so that's kind of my management style is to try to find, and, and also, you know, uh, in the, in the job that I'm done, you can't be a subject expert in all things. Like mm. I actually like what you said, yeah. you know, um, would, would, would your opinion or my wife's opinion, uh, you know, matter? Well, I, I think that my wife and I would both agree that you're the subject expert, you know, in, in your profession. No, here, yeah. so that we're we're both going to dial in and maybe we we may look at each other and say yeah this is what we want or what we you know we what we like or what we think we need but i think too many people don't put the value in where the subject expert is and let that kind of elevate a little bit more it doesn't mean that there isn't value in what the other person thinks same thing you know like my wife's a veterinarian you know if someone came to me like don't ask me how to you know mend a dog's leg you know um, and then, you know, sometimes people, you know, will turn to her and ask her a particular policy type thing that maybe I'm, you know, I've worked on before. So we all are subject experts in something. And I think we need to give ourselves credit for that. So subject expert is like how I live my life. Cause this yeah. is my thing. I am one of those people in my day to day, when I talk about like politics and stuff like that and not knowing a lot, yeah. it's because my day to day is focused on a very small amount of things real estate, the business, some marketing, obviously my family, yeah. but I don't focus on things. I I don't care to know about like take like like accounting laws or something. I don't know. I know I know what I I did is my accountant is a good friend of mine that I feel comfortable around that person with that person and I believe them to be a good person with good values that knows what that probably does a good job at what they're doing. So I look at kind of like making like a, I, I heard this analogy before, but almost having like a round table for your life or like a, like Knights of the round table or having like a, a, a board, board of, of advisors, board yeah. of directors yeah. for your life. I really think I have kind of like on unsaid, sometimes said people in my life that I focus on is like, you are, I know what we joke, but like Aaron Benner would be on my board of directors. Mm -hmm. Like he's just somebody, he's a very big confidant for me. I talk to him a lot. We talk to him. I very, we go very deep on our conversations. He's someone that would be very close to me and I have some other, you know, friends that, sure. and, and a lot of them are different. Um, you know, I try to mix and match the people I try to, I try to have, um, you know, different backgrounds, different ages, different genders. And I would say if I could pick a table of say seven board of directors, they would be pretty good people but none of them are from the same industry yep. none of them have, have the same backgrounds none of them are the same age and i think i really try to focus on i find someone who's really 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 good and then i basically give them the keys to the car and say drive me where we got to go because one i don't want to take the time to learn it i i can take that time like you said and double down on my strength and focus on something i'm really good i can do if i got to sit there and do my taxes my accountant knows I cringe with taxes. I have all my stuff. I, I, I like numbers. I don't like figuring out my taxes. I like you can do that. I sure. like doing what I want to do. So give me that time back to do what I'm good at. Same thing with, you know, financing or mortgages or, I mean, it could be even down to like people that are cooking or people that are doing like event planning. Like I'm really bad at that. Like the girls would joke here. Like I have input on stuff, 
But even here, I try not to micromanage. And I'm like, honestly, we got to come up with a party or we got to come up with something. You guys pick stuff out. What do you want? What do you think? I mean, run it by me if you want. But for the most part, I want to see maybe like, well, we got down to the two options. Okay, that one. Like, I, I don't want to have, yeah. like, get it to like 90%. And then let me just like say, like, run with it, I guess. And, or, but, but, there, but there's a certain, you know, uh, amount of faith uh, in, in um, I don't know how to you know, like that you, you can put in somebody because like, the, you know, that that person's proven, you know right. what I mean? Right. That it's like, you're, it's okay to let things go. None of us can be all things. Mm-hmm. We just can't, you know, I, I, I jokingly know, uh, people th- that I call, call them the perpetual hobbyist. They do just a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, Hey, if that's, if that's the way that you want to live your life, it's not a judgment from the standpoint, but uh, you know, how how do you become a master of something? How do you become the subject expert or how do you and, and 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 my preference and I'm just speaking of myself is I rather more intimately, you know, know something and have a sense of ownership and participation at a level that is just deeper and richer than kind of surface level on a bunch of different things. And and for me, what's fascinating is these last five years. It's the first time in my life that I have not had a second job since I think I've been 12. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you told me that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, which has been, and I still know that I haven't been able to achieve, you know, the all-knowing and, you know, you know, perfect and everything. But it's like, I've really, really enjoyed being able to make that the sole focus of what I've I've been doing. Um but our de- my department heads, or the department heads, not mine, like I have ownership of them, because they're they're team members, and they have an incredible s- skill set and talents, and we don't always agree. And you know, again, I go back to the approach of, I will support you, but I also believe in a, a support and challenge model, because I believe people should be challenged, not to be j- just challenged, but sometimes there's you believe that there's another level that they can take it to, that you mm-hmm. can take it to as well. And it broadens horizon. It, it, it provides new opportunities uh, and a new dimension that, you know, just kind of elevates some things. So. Are, are, you, um, are you someone that actively challenges yourself almost? I look at myself at times as almost, uh, um, I don't, I don't want to say like an employee of myself, but like I, there's times I like, want to challenge myself because I know that I can do like better. It's almost like self, like if I, like again, if I did something, I'm like, you know what? You really wasted the last few days or you really didn't put your effort hundred percent on that. Like, and I, I can almost have these mini conversations with myself and say, okay, do this better. Like almost like I'm aware that you like really didn't do it the best of your ability or, Hey, you might've skipped a step that, or you maybe had a rush or maybe you've taken on too much. How do you, you know, why don't we cut this out or, or delegate this and really focus on this. Yeah. But I try to have those conversations with myself God, almost daily where it allows me to almost look at myself from a high up view and say, and eh, let's change that. I know you can do better at that. Or I know. I don't know. It's, it's not to say without going into like detail, but I really focus on myself as obviously living day to day, but I can also feels like I can take a step like out of my, out of my like being at times and look at myself and say, you know, I say dissect it, but almost redirect myself as a third person looking I, in. I might, I'm my own worst critic. 
you know, from from kind of that standpoint of mm-hmm. um, I have very, very high expectations uh, for me, for myself. Um, and, you know, the things that I put my fingerprints on it, I have just high expectations for the product output at the end of the day. Um, I, I remember when I was working at the college, there was a couple of um, events that probably weren't the most, um, I don't know, maybe maybe the most um, exciting events. And, you know, my supervisor challenged me like, okay, you know, I, I want 500 people there. I'm like, well, if you want 500 people there, I, then I need a thousand people there. And it was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, there was twice in my career while working at the college that I shut the ballrooms due to fire capacity. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I, like, I, I am bragging a little bit because it was that level of the commitment was, I don't want to just do it. I want to go full on, you know, and then there were events that, you know, should have been a easy throwaway type thing. And it was like, even if 50 people for a, you know, like a lecture series was good, I was like, I only got 50 people there. Like, because I knew what I was capable of. Mm -hmm. And like, there's, there's little things that I think each of our professions and each of our personal lives that we have certain expectations of, um, you know, my wife jokingly says, you can run a town, but you can't run a household, right? And yeah, there's some truth to that, you know, and, and I, I say it in, in, a, in a loving response because the way that my mind clicks into kind of the, the org chart of how I click different things in just works differently. And that's not to say that, you know, I care anything less about what goes on at the house, um, it's, it's just, it's just funny how we kind of, I, I call my wife the CEO of our house yeah. because it, it's one where I'm going typically when I walk out the door and I come back, my day is a lot of focus, a lot mm-hmm. of like, um, and there's, I mean, there's some gaps. I'm not a robot, but like, I mean, it, it's geared at business. Like I really leave the house and I don't focus on home. Like I, I know it's handled. My wife has it. So like I come out, I do, it allows me to have freedom to just not worry and just come out and do my thing. And then when I go home, it's like full on dad husband mode where this past weekend I left the house. I had to cover for my dad at Wiry for this show. That is the only time I, we went out to pick up food one night. I don't leave the house on the weekends and I love it. Mm-hmm. Like if I can go home on a Friday night and not leave the house until Monday morning, I love it. Cause I just hang out at the house, you know, with, with, uh, Gina and the kids and it's an absolute blast. But if you're talking about like running like the household that is a hundred percent my wife meaning she just she's organized she has she knows stuff that's going on i'm i'm there but then it's like if i don't write stuff down i forget it like at so like i'm always putting stuff like reminders down and she's just very good at pre-planning like even christmas shopping like did you start that i'm like no i haven't i I get it i know everything and like i've had people say that i'm like i know shipping's gonna be later this year so i can't just prime deliver it like a a week ahead of time so um it's stuff like that where she's like she's just ahead of the game i'm like that in my business like i can see the foresight and i'm like okay i gotta prep i gotta plan at home i'm just like like i'm like oh it's fine we got what three weeks next thing you know it's like three days i'm like Mm -hmm. oh god so um my last question to you and respect we're a little over but Last question for you, because I think, who has better Christmas lights, you or myself? You do. <laughs> you sure? 
I don't have any Christmas. I have none. I, the I, only reason I say that is because we, if you drive down either of our streets, they are lit up. They, and you they, pass your house or my house, it is like it is like the is like uh, Mount Crumpet. There is nothing. Yeah, I, I have a tree, but there's nothing. No tree. Uh, we have a tree. No, okay. we have a tree. Uh, do you have one of those bulbs? I do not. Okay. Um, you don't but, have to put it on your tree. I'm just going to give it to you anyways, but hand oh, it out to somebody if you don't no, want we'll it. We'll go on the tree. Okay. We'll go on the tree. Local matters, baby. There you go. Um, so it's it's interesting. I have this really weird relationship with the over-commercialized experience of Christmas, um, especially being so my birthday being the day after Christmas. Um, Mine the day before. So yeah. It's good. So it's <laughs> right. Um, but, you know... Yeah, we've 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 never we've never gotten into it. The one thing that I, I I was really close this year, really really close. Have you seen the uh, eight foot Grinch? Oh yeah. Uh, and and then so I was thinking of getting the eight foot Grinch, putting a floodlight on it, and then he takes he has one strand of lights that's on the roof, so it looks like he's peeling it off. I was going to do that's that. That's actually pretty good. Um, you know, so it would be kind of fun and and spirited, but I, I haven't gotten to it. My, my whole thing is I look at it right now while the kids are young. I'm going to spend an entire Saturday or I say entire uh, afternoon or morning of my Saturday or Sunday to put these things up yep. for three and a half weeks later to rip them down. And I'm going to pull them down probably in the late December, early January when it's cold out. And I'm like, <laughs> why? I don't care that much. And the other thing is our, my wife is like 30 plus weeks due with a baby. I don't know when this baby's coming because they have a mind of their own. They come when they're ready. So if all of a sudden we have this newborn and I have a house littered with Christmas lights, I could be the guy ripping them down in March. And I'm yeah. like, just not this year. We got a Christmas tree. The Christmas, like we decorated everything in a couple hours inside. We watched right. Christmas vacation. It was great. And uh, I can take that tree down and put everything away probably in an hour and a half. Yeah. And it'll be inside. So I love Christmas. My favorite holiday. Um, my son is born on Christmas. Like we... It is definitely my favorite holiday, but I'm one of those people. Give like I'm like give Thanksgiving its due. There's a lot of people that I know, a lot of people in this office. Not going to name names, but <laughs> they they are playing Christmas music early. They are putting they are putting stuff up, and I'm like I love Christmas just as much as anybody. But please do not do anything until after Thanksgiving. So I'm like give me my turkey, give me yep. everything. Next day anything can go up. I'm also one of those people that the lights and everything are down. I say lights. I don't have lights this year. The trees down. Before New Year's. And it's usually down probably the 27th, 28th. Like as soon as Christmas is done, I'm like, it's done. It could be actually, we could have pulled it down the day after, but we're usually, it might actually come down the day after this year. Yeah. My, Olivia definitely is the, uh, the the motivator or the motivation to uh, get the tree up and, and make the house look beautiful for the, for the season. Uh, you know, the, the joke has long been amongst many of my friends that I'm the youngest curmudgeon that they know and a lot of people call me the Grinch or Scrooge and I jokingly say you know at the end of that story they like Christmas so uh you know so your heart could grow three three sizes that day yeah right? yeah you know <laughs> and it's not it's not that I dislike Christmas I I the the over commercialization of it I really have a tough time with um you know I, I that that could be a whole uh, episode onto itself. Yeah, we're not. Well, I'm going to ask you one question. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, I have two. I know it's not. Yeah, you can do it, two. Uh, uh, Die Hard, I believe, is a Christmas music. Okay. Uh, uh, just because I think it's fun, and then White Christmas. 
is uh, is my favorite. And part of the reason is when you listen to it, it's hilarious. There's a phrase, uh, there's a line in it that says, um, oh, he was out of the country. And the person's referring to one of the characters being uh, in Alaska. And Alaska wasn't in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. as a state then. And then they said, it's like finding a Democrat in Vermont. Uh, because back uh, when they filmed that in, I think, the 50s or whatever, it was a very Republican-based state. So it's just, it, 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 and it's just good music and a, and, a, and a good movie. So definitely uh, encourage people to check it out and see if you can find some of those uh, things that just jump out at, at, at you now. You know what's the craziest thing? I've never seen either of those movies. Yep. And I've never even heard of White Christmas. Really? I've heard of Die Hard. It's, it's on. It's a White Christmas is on Netflix. Uh, check really? it out. Yep. It's an older movie though. It's it's an older movie, originally done in black and white. Uh, it's uh, Danny Kaye and uh, oh, uh, Ben Crosby. I think it's Ben Crosby. And the only reason I know that yeah. is because the end of Christmas vac- Vacation. When he yeah. goes something about when Bing Crosby uh, yes. tap dance with Danny Kay, yeah, Danny yeah. Kay. So yeah. that uh, that's it. So Christmas Vacation is my favorite. So that's it. And that's a great flick too. It, it, I've already watched it three times this season, and we are only <laughs> December seventh. So, um, Michael, always a always a pleasure. Likewise, be I, well, be safe, and uh, have a uh, a wonderful holiday season. And look forward to having the the third one join your family soon. I appreciate that, and happy birthday. Thank you. Us, us uh, Capricorn, I think is the best, right? It's a Capricorn. See you. All right, that is episode 110 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.